You're listening to Arc Radio Podcast. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to In Conversation With. And today's hosts were yesterday's guests. So I have myself, uh, Nazim Gauri, and we have my wife, Lubna Gauri, here hosting today. So it's role reversal. And uh, as you're aware, this is uh, obviously In Conversation With. And uh, it's a relatively new show to Radio Ramadan, which involves two sets of couples to chat about everyday life st- stuff affecting couples and family life. It's an easygoing and relaxed show, and we want listeners to hear from different couples about their interesting topics. And rather than an interview per se, it's a bit of a dialogue as well. Assalamu alaikum, listeners. Um, as my husband introduced me, I'm Lubna Gauri. So, uh, alhamdulillah, we have the honour um, uh, today to have uh, our esteemed guests, um, whom uh, Nazim will be introducing soon. It's a bit of a, a surprise for everyone. But last year we had the honor of having Sheikh Amir Jamil and his wife, Naja Jamil, on this show to tell us about their journey of seeking sacred knowledge as a couple. This year we are pleased to have the opportunity to speak to another two of our very own Scottish born and bred scholars and the other halves about how they are living a life of impact through making positive contributions to the wider community. Today we have part one Living a Life of Impact. And Nazim, would you like to introduce our esteemed guests? Yeah, so uh, we have Sheikh Hassan Rabani, who is trying to fix the mic because it's fallen off the edge of the table, who is not a stranger to Radio Ramadan or indeed to radio. And we have his wife, Dr. Sahaba, uh, Sahaba uh, Sabah, Sabah uh, Rabani. Sorry about that. That's <laughs> me getting tongue-tied. That's me getting at my system. Who is a GP by profession and also obviously the wife of Sheikh Hassan Rabani. Uh, before we kind of delve into things, how has Ramadan been for you guys? Um, I think for me it's been a bit more relaxed. Alhamdulillah, it's not been too bad. You say relaxed, but it's impossible to get a hold of you when I try and phone you. Relaxed. <laughs> it's relaxed. Alhamdulillah, it's going well. I mean, I'm not kind of overburdened with stuff and I'm getting to spend uh, uh, some good time, especially if the hard time with with the family. Mm-hmm. Whereas usually it was almost every day if the hours at the mosque and stuff like that. Uh-huh. So you're keeping your cholesterol in check today. Yeah, definitely. Uh-huh. <coughs> so um, basically, the, today's theme, if you like, uh, is to do with uh, an insight into the journey of seeking sacred knowledge and how their ethos and values have helped them shape their life. Involving public service and creating a better society, and obviously factoring in the fact that you obviously are. Like every, everyone else, you've got family and you've got to balance everything and make sure that one thing doesn't compromise the other. So that's the theme uh, of today. And like I said, this is more than... It's not, it's not an interrogation. Uh, there's no right or wrong answer. And basically, the purpose of this is so that listeners can understand and appreciate kind of what you've been through so that they can understand and value the time when you give to the community. But also, if any, there's any budding uh, Sheikh Hassan Rabanis or Mrs of Sheikh Hassan, not, not literally, but <laughs> that concept of being potentially being married to a scholar, to get an insight to understand what they may have in line for them. Let's start uh, with uh, Sister Sabahat. Um, just a bit of a background about yourself as well as uh, uh, just we would like to, we are, we are keen to know about uh, uh, in before marriage if you're involved in any Islamic or Dawah work as well as your ambitions and aspirations as a young adult. Okay, assalamu alaikum. Um, background, um, I was born and brought up in Manchester, England, and um, I came from a very, very traditional 
a scholar family, but a very traditional Pakistani scholar family. Very, very strict upbringing. I had a very, very sheltered, very strict upbringing. And um, I studied in an all-girls high school and subsequently went to um, university. Um, actually, in Liverpool, so I lived away from home at university uh, to study medicine. Um, oh, there was quite a few questions in there. You'll have to just remind Sure, sure, of course. Um, just your ambitions and aspirations as a young adult. Yeah, um, I suppose it's hard to remember back now because it so, <laughs> seems so long ago, but... Um, when I was at university, I think I really um, got myself quite involved in the Islamic Society there. So I was quite active in the um, University Islamic Society and the sister side of things. Um, and that was really the first time I'd really had the opportunity to really be involved in sort of dawah, mm. per se. But as I said, my, my family background is quite a religious background anyway. So um, f- well known in the community and, and quite actively involved in the community in that sense. Um, so uh, in terms of ambitions and aspirations, really just uh, obviously the medical side of things, obviously that was, you know, took up a large part of my life uh, in, early, in the early days. Um, and then also I was always had that sort of aim to do Islamic studies and learn more about Islam and um, hopefully travel and learn more about Islam. And how did you find being a medical student when you're obviously involved with an ISOC uh, and being able to manage your time? And obviously there's an expectation to perform at an academic level as well during your undergraduate years. Mm-hmm. Did you, how did you manage to balance that or did you ever find a where there was an issue? Sometimes there isn't. No, I think there was definitely. I think um, when you fit, for me it was the first time living away from home, first time being at university and... Um, I think particularly the university I went to, there was, it, was, um, there was, it, was, it was predominantly white-dominated, not very many Muslims there. So the Muslims that were there, we kind of really clumped together, we really formed a family. And a lot of that was through the Islamic society that we kind of made that link and got to know each other and we developed that sisterhood with each other. So it was very much part of our social life, but also um, uh, there was obviously that balance with studying. And I think... Um, it helped a lot of my friends who were doing a similar course to me were also part of the same society. So a lot of our social activities sort of um, were oriented around the society. Uh, but yeah, there was definitely a, always a challenge in terms of balancing your study with the with the demands of, of um, organising events and other things. But alhamdulillah, I think it, um, we probably we probably didn't do very much studying as we should have done in the first couple of years. But then eventually the balance got there. So yeah. Well, you, uh, I gather that you started on time and finished on time, so there were no research involved. So for all no, intents no, and purposes, it was fine. Yeah. Uh, and just just kind of like wrapping up from that, uh, as you fin- went through medical school, did you have any kind of career aspirations? Had any particular prof- like obviously you're a GP now, but was was always general practice on the mind, or was it something that? kind of evolved or I think, shoehorned um, into or whatever? Well, for me, general practice was always... Uh, we, we, um, Liverpool particularly, we, we were exposed to it from a quite uh, an early stage. And I think I'd, I'd never minded it. There were some people that had always hated it. And I was never one of those people. But I did have other things that I was interested in, for example, sort of skin specialism, other things. But I think I did have to make that decision at one point where I was kind of like looking at in terms of balancing family life and, and what's practical for a Muslim woman you know you have to kind of make that decision at some point and I think for me general practice was the, the thing that really fit that it fit what I wanted to do I enjoyed it anyway and it was much more compatible family life for me Good now moving on to you Sheikh Hassan I mean just uh, take us from the beginning let's tell the bit about yourself um, I, it's interesting because this, this before I want to share a little kind of Background. I was speaking to Sister Simon, the producer of this, and she kind of knew of you, but knew of you as the nephew of her friend. Yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah. I, I think people 
know me, but they don't know me <laughs> because I've, I've got a big family in Glasgow, and then later they realise I'm, that, you know, that person's nephew or that person. He's like, oh wow, you know, we didn't know that. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I was born up in the south side of Glasgow here in Pollock Shields, and uh, <clears throat> did my secondary mm-hmm. education at a single faith boarding school in Nottinghamshire. <laughs> um, you know, it wasn't really a good place to be brought up in those days in Glasgow. And um, you say single faith, I presume <coughs> it's Islamic faith. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, an Islamic boarding school, <laughs> <laughs> and um, so yeah, I, I did. I did my early education there, and then there was a point where I, which pastor I want to choose, and I think from a young age I had this uh, these aspirations instilled in me because my father had come over not as an imam, but you know when he came over, he did some business, and then he eventually set up a mosque because he was trained. So I had this inside me that, you know, I'm, I'm going to carry on. There's always one one brother who's going to be a scholar. So I think my father kind of gave me that talk that, you know, we think is actually going to be you. So f- from early on, from age 10 and 11, I remember my dad throwing me in the mosque, getting me to do speeches and doing azan and, you know, this and that. So, and yeah, so I... I I, so I took the religious path then, and then in 2006 I travelled to Egypt and to Azhar University and uh, graduated in 2010 with an undergraduate. Um, I came back, <clears throat> I did a Master's in Islamic Studies in Aberdeen. I took a year out to do uh, to do Cambridge Muslim College mm. with Abdul Hakim Murad, and that was an interesting year for me. Mm. Um, and then I came back to Glasgow and did a Master's in Philosophy. And... I mean, this was all whilst actually we were married. So I never doing bits and bats. So when did you get married? We got married in 2012, actually. You had to think about that, didn't you? <laughs> as long as you remember the date, the year uh, uh, is the most uh, important. Uh, uh, <laughs> 2012. Yeah, it was 2012. And um, it was actually before I had come back from Cairo in summer. In July, I think, I got come back. And I think in October, we got engaged. And then in 2012, we got married, and um, yeah. Mm. Time flies, doesn't it? No, it does. Um, it does, and how we got married, because we initially thought she was going to move up to Glasgow, because I think you were in your union training years, weren't you? Mm-hmm. So when did you graduate? I graduated to th- uh, medical school in 2000, and I have to think about this, nine. <laughs> yeah. 2009, gosh, make us feel old, don't they? <coughs> of course. Did you, <laughs> when did you graduate again? 2006. When did we get married? Got married in 2006. Yeah. What? So, yeah, so, that's good. so you need to remember. <coughs> yeah, it's next month, isn't it? Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, so obviously she's not that overwhelmed <laughs> to be married, but anyway, <laughs> you, you've got to put, put up with all that gives you. Uh, uh, do you want to? So, um, moving on, last year on the show, obviously we had, uh, as I mentioned before, Sheikh Amr and his wife, uh, Sister Nadia Jamil who gave us insight into the journey of finding a potential partner. While Sheikh Amr got married early on in his journey of seeking sacred knowledge and becoming a scholar with his wife joining him in his journey. So it's just to ask yourselves, how was it for you when finding a potential partner? Did you have a clear idea of what you're looking for or, uh, or you didn't? Or what advice can you give to others while seeking a partner? And what worked for you both in terms of finding what you wanted? Do you want to? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I got married when I was 25, 26, so it was really after my studies. 
um, my, my initial studies, my undergraduate, and uh, I think one of the the kind of aspirations that I had was um, to obviously find someone who's professional, but someone who's also from a traditional background and has been brought up with this with a very good tarbiyah in terms knows the etiquettes and adab of things not necessarily has to be a fully blown scholar but someone who understand the etiquettes have adab and who uh, from a scholarly family because that way it would make my family and their family compatible and she'll be able to understand actually my family um so there there were the couple of things I actually had um in mind mm-hmm. um do you want to add anything to that yeah i think i think for me um i did have a quite a clear idea i think i had a, a sort of a list of things that i you know that were very important for me and other things that were you know if they were there that's a bonus but you know if they're not there it's not the end of the world so um so just so you kind of you kind of like had a like an like a list of deal breaking things and a kind of secondary list yeah and i think that's quite important because i think you're never going to get 100% exactly you know this is don't like, flatter me <laughs> I'll, I'll give you 99% but uh, no but realistically I think sometimes people have a very unrealistic expectations mm. when you're young about you know this ideal marriage partner who's going to be like you know exactly like you etc etc yeah. and I think you do um, you have to have I think I think it's important there's a certain deal everyone's got their own deal breakers mm. um, it's different for every person yeah. um, and I think it's important you do identify that in yourself so that you do know you've got that focus and when you are uh, looking for marriage that you know that okay this is something that would be an absolute no for me or, or this is something where you know it's a bonus but you know it's something maybe we can develop later etc and obviously being a, a doctor you've obviously married a non-medic mm-hmm. is that something that had ever gone through your mind or is that something that afterwards you've reflected on just because there's a lot of uh, females who go into medicine now yeah. uh, as one of the deputies of the medical school one thing I do see is a strong female presence in general and mm-hmm. that's not um, diff- any different in the Asian or in the Muslim uh, cohort yeah there, there is this sort of idea and it's I, I personally find it a very strange idea that medics should only marry medics and I, I personally think it's just I've never really had that in my mind ever to me uh, to be honest Dean was always number one anyway so for me um, the religion took priority over profession mm. anyway um, but um, I mean it, there's lots of different types of personalities in medicine and, and outside medicine I don't see why you some people are very fixated on they only want to marry doctors mm. if they're in the profession I suppose, I suppose I can understand from their point of view that you're somebody who understands the profession and what you're going through and that kind of thing but it was never really a criteria for me to be honest Okay, that's interesting obviously because I think the theme that's come from both of you is because Dean was a priority then the profession mm. was somewhat secondary because you had an understanding of Dean that you lived Dean rather than had a theoretical basis mm-hmm. of it and I think that's something that obviously is coming through Did you find Shia quite early on in your search? Uh, I never really searched Alhamdulillah <laughs> <laughs> I want to say I ever searched um, We were introduced to our parents Our parents had known each other for, for many so many years Her dad's a scholar and in Manchester My dad, so they've known each other for over 30 years mm. So it's okay. Okay, yes. So you didn't have to search far and wide No Alhamdulillah You didn't no. have to go to single Muslims to do No, no, no. <laughs> Alhamdulillah so, um, so the advice you would like to give To the younger generation When it comes to searching up For an ideal partner I think it's different. I think it depends because um, everyone's, as I said, everyone's got different ideas of what what their needs are and what their wants are. So it's very hard to give a blanket 
advice to anybody and I think people who, who know that person better are probably better placed to advise them according to their personality um, and I think often people dismiss their parents and stuff in that but you know there's a lot of blessing in, in, in following your parents advice in these matters as well um, and uh, uh, parents obviously you know they, they do know you better than you think they do half the time um, that's not to say you have to you know do the whole arrange marriage necessarily you know just whoever your parents choose for you you should definitely have a say in it I think you should have a clear idea if you're old enough and mature enough to get married you should have a clear idea of what you want in a potential partner because I think people who go into it more blindly or they just think okay yeah whatever we'll just get married um, I think that's where you'll you'll set yourself up problems further down the line I think you should have a clear idea because then if you find out later that so and so had had a very specific thing that they wanted a marriage partner and you don't fulfill that or they don't fulfill that that's going to just cause problems from the get go so I think have a clear idea of what your what as I said what your deal breakers are so what are the things that are most important to you or where you see yourself in the future and anything that that doesn't matter sort of things that I think there's too much fixation these days on things that really down the line don't matter so I won't say looks because I think looks obviously is allowed and it is important but looks do change you know nobody's <laughs> going to stay the same as when they're married but um, there's things that, you know like cast uh, and things like this which really have really no impact on the actual uh, marriage life and I really wish these things would hopefully <laughs> gradually move their way out of our communities but uh, I think we're like yourself as well. Any advice? Yeah, I'd probably say the same thing. I think um, uh, people, the, the aspirations or the future plans they have, they should have partners who are accommodating and understanding of that. And um, yeah, probably the same thing about caste and stuff. I think people perhaps should give priority to to, to religion because they know that. Um, I mean, if the marriage is, if the foundation is on religion, you know, inshallah, Allah will bless that. And, and not only that, then for the coming generations who are, um, who are coming. Um, so, yeah, and I think sometimes people get fixated too much over the wedding day mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, when all that's over, you know, you know they, they just feel a bit empty and all that. Yeah, you can't, not every day the wedding day. Yeah. Interesting, when you mentioned looks, you looked over at me. Why, are you looking, why do you look over at me when she mentioned looks? No, no that was just a coincidence. Maybe you were, you were thinking about it, not me. You find that I've uh, aged. <laughs> uh, so just coming back, uh, we actually missed a couple of questions. You obviously, just before we could go into the break, uh, Sheikh Hassan, you obviously spent some time abroad and you came back. Mm-hmm. Did that change perhaps some of the thoughts before you went in terms of what, when it came to kind of coming back in life and perhaps even marriage, or did it not really? I mean, I think it definitely did. And for Islamic studies in particular, um, wherever you go has a profound influence, mm. depending on the scholars who you sit with and the kind of uh, academic environment there. Azhar is known to be very balanced and mm. very moderate in, in that respect. Whereas, I mean, if people went other places, perhaps in Pakistan, it's more conservative in fiqh and of understanding. Uh, but Azhar was very open-minded, and I think... Um, Maybe that's a good thing or a bad thing. I think my wife can tell me. But um, it's very moderate and, and, and quite balanced, I think. So I think I came back quite open-minded. Um, yeah. And uh, one of the one of the purposes of Azhar is that when you go there, you try to lose your previous baggage that you actually have. Mm-hmm. And the question always I have is for Azhar graduates is, how much of that baggage are you still carrying with you? Mm. Um, so for me, when it was... When it was come back, when I came back, I was like, "Oh God, all that baggage is back again." Because well, you know that the same arguments over thirty years ago, over if X is permissible, Y is permissible, 
it was you came back to still the same arguments and you think you know what's happening here okay so we're just coming up to the break but maybe what you, what you're seeing is that you obviously had your eyes open but the other people who have that you've come back to perhaps haven't had their eyes open <coughs> and maybe what you're seeing is that difference in that before and after thing mm. i've been going through various aspects uh, in terms of their journeys as individuals but also hopefully coming together as a couple and we had the background of um in terms of her medical background but also there's a strong emphasis on the kind of religious side of things in terms of not only her upbringing but also in terms of what was a priority for her throughout her medical degree and thereafter uh, and Sheikh Hassan kind of enlightened us because obviously he'd been abroad and came back in the kind of contrast uh, but also they both touched upon uh, the aspects of getting married and what to look for in a spouse which I think is very important I think particularly when you have somebody who has a traditional back, both have traditional background I mentioned one who's actually studied sacred sciences another who's studied also sacred sciences. According to Imam Shafi, the best thing to study after halal and haram is the science of the body. So there are sacred sciences in themselves, but by all intents and purposes, a secular degree and getting that perspective from a female who studied away from home as well, I might add, in terms of what the priority was after the degree. And just coming into the second half uh, of uh, the show, um, as a couple, now that you've, obviously you're married, you, you got married in 2012, alhamdulillah, have you had time to travel or pursue sacred knowledge either together or individually after marriage? Um, <clears throat> well, well, not as much, simply because I, my studies were actually over. So when we did get married, we actually initially lived uh, away for two years mm-hmm. because she was doing her training in Manchester. I decided then to actually go to Cambridge. Okay. Um, so we actually used to visit frequently, but we... We actually toured a lot of UK, believe it or not, when we had weekends off and stuff. Um, so we did that. And then the second year, I was back in Glasgow Uni, and she was actually still in Manchester. Mm. Um, so I think that year you were mostly coming to Glasgow, weren't you? Mm-hmm. Um, but we did did a bit of travelling. I think when I was in Cambridge, we had the interfaith trip to the Roman Vatican. Mm. Which, that was very interesting, yeah. yeah, yeah and did you go as a couple? Yeah, yeah, we are, well, yeah, we our class went as a cohort with with um, with the sheikh, um, um, but but you know the, the couples as couples we were actually allowed to go. So, um, but we've we've travelled not for religious purposes, mm. but I think this is one of the things that definitely we have in plan is to go out again into the Middle East for a couple of years as yeah. a family. Where we're, as a family, we can actually learn together. Okay, so is that to learn or to work and become a very wealthy GP? No, definitely <laughs> to learn, I think. Well, <laughs> uh, uh, if that's part of the package, that'll be great. Yeah, but, um, uh, perks, of, perks of the marriage. Uh, yeah, but, um, you know, I, I do want to go back to Egypt, I think. Uh, that's a place where, where, I, where mm-hmm. I studied and I know ins and outs. and uh, Skeletons, is it? Yeah. You know, some of the other countries, I suppose. Um, like For me personally, um, yeah, I think even before we got married, that was one of my stimulations yeah, yeah. that um, I really wanted to study in Yemen because uh, where I was at university, um, I studied under Sheikh Ibrahim Asifa and his mm-hmm. and his wife, Umm um, Abdullah, and obviously they'd studied in Yemen and that really, their um, version of Islam really resonated with me. Um, so that's been definitely always been in the plan, but it's just not quite worked out yet. So mm. inshallah, make the offer us. Inshallah. Yeah, it works out. Obviously, uh, Sister Sabahat, as um, Sheikh mentioned, that you were still in your training when you got married. So how was it, uh, the transition from uh, just uh, being on your own then being a wife with all the traditional cooking and everything? 
Um, do you know, because um, initially the plan for me, it, it wasn't to stay in Manchester with my family. The plan was to get married and move, but uh, we didn't realise that having a transfer mid-training was so difficult. Um, so I'd been applying for an international <coughs> transfer, but it actually took us two years and they kept accepting the application, but unfortunately um, there were no spaces here. So that was actually not planned. That was just sort of how it happened. Um, so although I, I was married, I didn't really have all the responsibilities of such a marriage. I, we had all the perks without any yeah. of the responsibilities. It was actually great looking back. <laughs> a bit like what we had, wasn't it? That's true. So yeah. we had a long-distance relationship for two years, and then it was only when I moved in. So I, I, I never really had that problem when I was studying. I was living at home with my parents, and obviously they were very used to us studying um, over the years, so it was never an issue. That was great, alhamdulillah, for you, wasn't it? So coming back, so could you cook as a student? Yeah, actually, I'm not, I'm not a bad cook. I've, 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 although I've um, done the whole medical thing, I've also had quite a traditional Pakistani background upbringing as well. So you could do the handy as well oh, as definitely. the heartbeat. Oh, you should yeah. ask me the same question. I was coming to that. So can you make good the jajan? We did. We actually cooked a lot in Egypt. I remember the first couple of months, right, we rinsed out McDonald's, KFC, Pizza Hut, and you're craving for roti salon. So there's five of us who used to, one of my cousins, Imam Mansour, he's in Kirkcaldy now, mm. we used to stay together and every guy had one day assigned where he had to cook. So I used to cook the chicken palau. No, no, the used to. <laughs> yeah, so have you had any of his cooking since he's... I think yes. one time. Twice, no, I made one. an omelette for you once. <laughs> yeah, he counts an so. omelette as a cooking as well. Twice since 2012. I think the fact that he counts the omelette as cooking just tells you everything you need to know. Don't, don't you say I anything. the same case with us as well. You behave yourself. <laughs> we'll have words afterwards. I, he did make me chicken sardon once. I'll okay. give you that. And it was quite nice. Oh, yeah, it was okay. a bit better. Yeah, so, same, same with me. With palak chicken something. Yeah. So, so I think the theme that's coming across is that we have the skills and tools as husbands to do it when the need arises and we can do it to high standard, but we don't want to steal their thunder. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. No, not so. not, not uh, precisely. Not <laughs> also, I think... Um, Actually, I'm, I'm not a very fussy eater. Um, I think one thing when you're living a rough house... I should learn a, from Sheikh. You're uh, just being polite. I, as a student, I remember in Egypt, we used to just be happy as long as we were eating things. So. Well, that's yeah. not really complimenting my cooking style very much. <laughs> but, but saying that, she, alhamdulillah, I mean, one of the things that yeah. I like about my wife's cooking, it, it's, it's not roti salon. Oh, good. Like she makes shepherd's pie. And what did we have the other day? Can't have been that good if you can't remember. <laughs> Uh, no, no, she, she, she really, um, she's got that. She cooks a lot of English food, which are, you know, is a bit more healthier, and I actually enjoy that. So Good. she's got the traditional and the. Uh, so she's got a traditional English side. It's still traditional. And, and I must say, she makes roti as well. You know, you do, but she bakes lovely cakes, by the way. Mashallah. And uh, I think this is one thing that the whole family appreciates. Whenever it's my brother's birthday, they'll always say, Baji, you know, make us one of your. And, and both of your yeah, brothers have the same birthday cakes. because they're twins, so does she make two cakes? I have made two cakes yeah, she, in the past. She's, she's made two cakes in the past. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Nalhamdla, yeah. she's, she's very good like that. She's yeah. very, um, she, she experiments in the kitchen. Uh-huh. You mentioned travelling. Have you actually ever gone on a holiday, just like as a couple? And if so, where have you been? Uh, yeah, so, um, although the problem that I've had, and things, one, one thing that she'll criticise, I, I, get, I, I get to travel a lot for, through conferences and, you know, yes. all of that. We've seen the Facebook photos. So, very recently, I was away to Egypt, I've been to Lebanon, I've been to Iran, I've been to Denmark. So, I, I go to a lot of these places. And unfortunately, it means that, uh, you know, I can't travel. But I think the last uh, holiday we had was last year, where we went to the south of Spain. So we did Cordoba, Malaga, um, and all that. But I think that's the one thing that 
Definitely, I think from my side, I, I need more. I need to take her more on more on holidays. Have you taken her to Pakistan? Uh, it's been on the cards. For it's a while, been on the cards. I think one of the the next plans we've planned is inshallah to do the Umrah, Egypt, and a Pakistan trip all combined for for a nice long holiday. Okay. Um, but but yeah. I thought I'd put it out there before you say something. So no, no. I'll put it out in a more polite okay. way. <laughs> and the lie detector is—is is it firing off or is it? <laughs> no, 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 absolutely. I know it's true. I think it's just circumstances. A lot of it, yeah. finding that time in your busy schedules and yeah, yeah, also planning and then uh, organizing it really. I think that's what we wanted to find out uh, next about you. That how do you balance life between work and family? Mm. I think we try our best, but I don't think we've quite got the balance yet. We, it's, 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 I think we're constantly learning every day. Uh, I don't know anybody who, who claims that they have a full balance, do they? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it's very hard. Um, Sheikh's very busy a lot of the time. He, obviously, he has uh, obviously his, his, his specific roles, like his teaching and classes, but then there is a lot of voluntary work involved in, in Sheikhhood, mm-hmm. if you can call it Sheikhhood. So there's a lot of things, you know, telephone conversations, counselling, or the phone, a lot of things like that. So it can sometimes feel like you don't really get a lot of alone time. But, uh, yeah, I've been doing a lot, especially mm-hmm. travelling to Manchester, Birmingham, yeah. Edinburgh, I remember I've come late, I have to meet people, you know, for various reasons. So. Uh, but not unless I get too carried away with the fact that if Sheikh would, even as a doctor, do you not find the similar <clears throat> things apply? Of course. Because yeah. my wife's looking at me because what you're saying about <laughs> your husband, she probably says relevant to what I do as well mm-hmm. uh, because purely based on the fact that you are married to Sheikh and also you have a medical degree so do you not find that that type of thing is affecting you or is it because you're less well known because you're not from Glasgow that you've been relatively shielded from this um, in terms sorry I didn't really understand just in terms of like the concept of voluntary stuff and your time being eaten up doing these things in terms I think of uh, to be honest for me um, it's, it's it, I'm not doing a lot of external voluntary stuff it's more like supporting Sheikh to do at the mm-hmm. moment because obviously we've got a young daughter so when I'm not working I'm primarily looking after her um, and also generally we're living in an extended family as well so there's usually a lot of family um, commitments and events so um, although I am semi-involved in such projects I wouldn't say that I'm really really actively you know I haven't got big responsibilities outside of um, mm. work and home mm. as much but saying that I mean uh, you go to various meetings yeah. and all, that, all yeah. of that kind of stuff so we try to balance all of that yeah. um, I suppose when I, I'm, I, I think I'm, we kind of know each other's timetable so we always try to when 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 she's working, I try my best to stay home uh, with the little one, teach her a wee bit. Um, but obviously, uh, I think that's where we need the family support with extended yeah. family. Alhamdulillah, that we have, in which she, if she's at working, I've got something on. We can we can leave the daughter in, in the house, and sometimes mum and dad busy across the road. My nanny's there, and she loves to have Zainab across. Yeah. So the good thing is that our our daughter's in demand. Yeah. yeah so sure. Alhamdulillah, uh, people are more than happy to look she, pro- she probably feels that she gets a raw deal when she's with uh, in the normal family then because she doesn't get spoiled as much. Yeah. She gets spoiled a lot. Oh, no, she. no, yeah. <laughs> I think that's, that's always one challenge. So you're, so you're, so you're a Pakistani first and a scholar <laughs> second then, when it comes to the kids and spoiling them. Uh, yeah, no, we, we try to ground her and... Uh, ground her? Um, in the sense that, you know, <laughs> to, to, to remind her... Uh, <laughs> that you know she can't be spoiled all the time and you know good um, so alhamdulillah and just this question came to my mind just now that um, uh, having a wife having a GP as your wife would you would you consider that as like a peace of mind that you know anything goes wrong with, with, with the health especially with the daughter 
that you know my wife will handle this and yeah i think so even within the general family you know there's something wrong everyone kind of refers back to her and they would ask her for um their uh, her opinion um so i think yeah that, that was relaxing especially a few times i think when uh, the little one had some breathing issues and obviously mm-hmm. so having a doctor in the house and obviously your contacts in it. Mm-hmm. remember we got um uh, went to Victoria so we didn't have to wait Alhamdulillah so I think that really helps <laughs> good old doctor's etiquette <laughs> <laughs> and do you want to add anything? Um, not much to add really I think not, yeah. yeah I think the fact that we've got family support is a big thing like obviously yeah, we, yeah. I don't think we'd be able to do it without I think without family yeah. uh, it would be either or either I'd be doing my stuff you'd be at home or you'd mm-hmm. be out and I'd have to very kind of limit what I was doing, which was kind of in Edinburgh. It was uh, you were very limited. Yeah, so we, we lived away a year in mm. Edinburgh, and obviously we didn't have family there, so it was much more like basically. You were very limited to your. Sh- I was quite limited. Did Did you work when you were in Edinburgh then? I, I worked. Uh, the way we worked it is, I used to work morning shifts only, and then shift um, shift duties tend to start like Zohar onwards. Mm-hmm. So I would do kind of morning shifts, and then I'd be back, and then I'd have uh, Zen. Yeah, but even then, I remember some of my morning. I remember once I went to meet. Uh, Father Dalrymple mm-hmm. I actually took Zenith with me I, I used to go to a lot of meetings and I used to say to them go listen I'm, I've got my daughter with me I'm just bringing her uh, with me yeah so that was interesting that's, that's an interesting thing because yesterday's show when we were the guests we talked about this in terms of like how do you manage when you've got children and that was one thing I mentioned as well that with dad in hospital and mum or their kids daddy having to come into hospital to see dad uh, and look, not working. We didn't actually have anyone to help with the childcare afterwards. So, oh. Iman came in with uh, Daddy, and I actually came and took her from the ward because he's working in in the same hospital. And I took her down, and I had to see, I had a couple of meetings. I had to go and meet people. So just taking her in with me and get her to do the rounds, so to speak. <laughs> uh, and just because, just building on that, what are your thoughts on involving your children in your day to day working life? Obviously, it's a bit harder as a GP, but I'm sure if the opportunity arose, you would take her with you if you could. Yeah, I think obviously in my line of work, you can't really have a child um, at her age there anyway. Um, It's not really possible, but uh, definitely in your stuff, you, I think. Yeah, I mean, if I had a class, I would definitely just bring her. Yeah, and you do. I think you have. um, Yeah, actually, yeah, I do have the Arabic class on Mondays in Darley Mm -hmm. with 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 the sisters, and. I just bring Zainab along and I said to the sisters, you know, you guys bring your kids along, let them sit at the back and play and we'll teach. So yeah, actually I do. There's been a few times I've I've brought Zainab into the class. Alhamdulillah, you give her stuff and she's busy. And and just building on that. How old is Zainab? Um, she, she's in two, two in January. Yeah, two in January. Okay, you, you have to look to your wife for the age of your child. <laughs> Funny, I remember la- I went to the doctors last time. They asked her date of birth. I was like, "What year is she born in?" She said, "I don't know. She's growing so fast. She don't realize." Ashala uh, <coughs> and so we just uh, just moving on from there to ask about uh, your future plans mm-hmm. are and your aspirations. Yeah, I mean, I'll start first. I think um, I, I one of the things that I get is cold feet. I can't stay in a place for too long. I don't know why. Why is that? So right now, I remember I was in Edinburgh, then I thought, you know, I can't bother it anymore. Let's move to Glasgow. And I'll be honest with you, I'm getting a bit of cold feet. I really want to go out somewhere. I want to travel. So I haven't had just because of the time, but um, in the next couple of years, I've, I've said to her that if we don't do it now, we're never going to do it. 
So the aim is to get out your to, system. To, I mean, we need to go Pakistan to meet my my daddy. We still haven't met her, and you know she's old age, and we definitely want to get um, Umrah. But um, definitely a lot of travelling into the Middle East, and um, especially this time, I think Zainab is at a very good age where she's kind of picking things up. Mm. You know that 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 age. So I think for her is that that right age. If we move out, she could pick up another language very very easily, mm-hmm. um, and obviously. Even in terms of her school, we were thinking, again, we were having discussions, so we take her to a, a normal school or shall we homeschool? So one of the benefits of homeschooling is you can still travel and, and yet be able to give her um, education. So I don't think so. This would this message of mine is a very good sign for those people who are um, teaching at or I'm working with. <laughs> but but um, that's why I say to people, I say, listen, when the classes are on, take benefit because tomorrow you don't know either you won't be there or the sheikh is not going to be there. So whilst you have the people, take benefit and that's do right. as much as you can with them because tomorrow circumstances change, people move. So, yeah. And the thing is, you obviously you obviously make plans, uh, but sometimes Allah has other yeah, things yeah, written. Of course, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. So, uh, although he's firing his warning shots, <coughs> somebody's dua might be that the sheikh stays, and you never know what might happen as a result of that. <laughs> but we do have the summer break, isn't it? Even the, in the courses, they do have the long. Yeah, I mean, but but we go. We've got this thing about a good couple of years at least um, okay. uh, and, until we. I think for me, like, I've not really had that. I mean, I've done Islamic studies here and there, but that's really solid, you know, learning Arabic and, and really consolidating Islamic knowledge and the environment, and the environment as well. Um, so I think that's something that's always been on the cards for, for to move for, but it's just sort of practically not quite worked out yet. Um, but I think definitely you want to do it when you're, when you're younger rather than older because ultimately we do want to come back to Glasgow and benefit Glasgow, so that would be our ultimate aim. Yeah. So we need to kind of get the learning and stuff done so that we can then that in the long run. Have you planned where you're going to go? Have you, have you said Inshallah it? Yemen, that's the aim. Yeah, I think Yemen is one of the countries, definitely. Yeah. So you're going to become Shafi then? Um, uh, to be honest, I take some of the, sh- the Shafi opinions in. Anyway, so. mm-hmm. I was in Egypt, so Egypt is a mixture of Hanfi and Shafi. Is <laughs> when whatever's the, easier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so, and just kind of building on up, obviously you're talking about future, and obviously your daughter Zainab is integral to that. Mm. And do you have any kind of any particular ambition you have for her or any things that in your mind that you think that as she grows up there's certain things that you want her to have as second nature and other things well it would be good if she could do this as well mm. what, what's, what, are your, what are your thoughts I mean I think for me growing up I think a lot of what I've done has been I mean I've really enjoyed it but it's, a lot has been my father's projections so yeah. uh, I do want to do a PhD but again something what my dad wants because my dad started his PhD in Glasgow Uni but couldn't finish it because of the death of his brother and father Um, but um, I think for me what I would like for Zainab is to have very a strong uh, Islamic background but be very confident in in whatever she wants to do sciences whatever but I do want her to have a, a solid strong background and part of me wants her to get into sciences and I was very interested in physics mm-hmm. but I don't want to project my aspirations what I couldn't do um, actually onto Zena. Female physicist and Muslim and with a background would be a very rare species. Uh, yeah I, I, if she if she's I mean I would definitely give her the basics but if she really wants to really extend her Islamic knowledge I want her to be to be very outstanding because obviously in the time we're living in, especially what I saw, when it comes to Islamic education, uh, it's not parallel between male, male and the female. Generally, mm. the, the male scholarship is much more stronger. So this is, I think, a gap that we can really work on um, if, 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 if we wanted to. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think one of the, for me, the main thing for her is the really, really strong foundation of Deen and, and Deen learning. And ideally, we really do need really high-level Muslim female scholars. So that would be our ambitions for her. But I think every child is different. I think often parents project that what they want for each, you know, they have these ideas of them for the child, but I really think you need to see what the child's nature is like when they grow up. And not every child is going to be suited to the Dean path, not every child is suited to an academic path. And I think you really need mm. to look at the nature of your child and then go according to that. And for having, having been brought up in quite a strict and quite a restricted upbringing, I think for her, I would really want her to... to not say live life to the full in, in that sense, but in the sense that just be able to pursue things if she can and just be a very, very strong woman in society. Yeah. Inshallah. So obviously with, with that comes into mind the type of schooling that you envisage, and obviously you're going to go abroad and things, inshallah, whatever, but there'll come a time when you come back to Glasgow, maybe early primary school years or mid-primary school years onwards. What are your thoughts on the type of schooling that you envisage We'd love to homeschool. It's something we've thought about a lot. I've come across a lot of people homeschooling and, and I'd love to be able to do it, but I don't know how, pra- how practical it is for us in our uh, family at the moment. Is that for secular or, or Islamic studies or both? both? For all together, like homeschool to, to a certain age. Um, there's, there's a reasonably expanding and big um, homeschooling community now. And where, where I was in Liverpool, actually, um, a lot of the, the families are homeschooled. Um, so I'd seen it firsthand there and the benefits of it. I know a lot of people have a lot of reservations and fixed ideas about homeschooling, but I think once you actually meet people who are doing it and their children, it really changes your perceptions. So I think that's what we'd love to do, but I don't know, obviously, practically, if that's going to be 100% practical for us. So I suppose alternatives are just um, looking at... Obviously, education is very important for us. Mm. I think it's something that we would invest in and we would have to have oh, a real think yeah. about in terms of methods, you know. I know this is one thing even my parents drilled into me yeah. and my siblings. It's no matter what. Because I remember growing young, I think my dad wouldn't buy new shoes. I remember he used to have ripped shoes, but most important for him was that his, his kids and his sons to be educated. This was the, the primary goal that my father had. And alhamdulillah, which is, he's, for me, he's instilled that in me and the coming generations are... You know, you can eat dal or dry roti, but you know, education—it's—it's—it's it's, it's actually number one priority. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess your younger brother, uh, who obviously has gone off and studied medicine abroad, yeah. So he—he's kind of like gone a slightly alternative route, and it's taken him a bit longer because he's obviously a bit more mature for his years mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to his medical education. But again, it was dad who really pushed him. Yeah. He said, you know, you know, we we were going. I mean, obviously. As a family, we're going to support you financially and we're going to have that support, but you must go out no matter what and, and, and study, yeah. Mm-hmm. And was that because you just wanted him to study or was it because he wanted him to be a doctor? A bit of both. <laughs> uh-huh. I think yeah. in, every, in every Asian family, you need an engineer and a doctor. And because my dad's a scholar, we've got a scholar, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and uh, You know, people can't see that you're smiling. I think you should make sure that, <laughs> that is a joke. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, we really don't believe in the whole we have to have a doctor. No, no, for, for us, I mean... I, th- I think personally think we need Muslims in a lot, of, a lot of different fields, to be honest, and I think there is this emphasis on medicine as being like the be-all end or sometimes. Mm. If she wanted to do medicine, would you encourage her or discourage her? I think I'd lay it out for history. It's not easy. I think people have this perception of medicine, but particularly as a Muslim woman, it is not as easy path, and it's not for everybody. Um, but I think I'd, the option, whatever she wants to do, the option is always there for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it's being realistic with your children about what actually involves, you mm-hmm. know, the, the, the sacrifices, the time, the, the stress, just in the training and then afterwards as well. It, it's not for everyone. Well, you, Lubna, do you want your daughters to 
become doctors. I think I share your views as well, sisters, about um, because obviously, as you um, rightly mentioned, it's not an easy path, and uh, just leave it to them to make that decision. But beforehand, give them all the information and and be realistic about it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Any, we're coming uh, up for a conclusion now. So, any final remarks from anybody, including our co-host? Sheikh. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, alhamdulillah, I'm, I think I'm very grateful for what Allah's given me, and uh, I think people should really be grateful in whatever circumstances they are. I think um, one of the things that <coughs> I've realised uh, through stuff like counselling and teaching is that. People are in very difficult times in their lives, and uh, you know I think we should. Uh, I, I definitely do sugar to Allah, giving me a very supportive wife who's uh, supported me, and you know we've had very ups and downs and testing times, but she's been there, and I think my family who, who've, who've actually uh, always supported me, and I think um, I think going forward, I think it's very important as a person to have a very supportive wife. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, and. The misses? Uh, Alhamdulillah, I think, you know, uh, I think we're always learning. And uh, I think everyone has this preconceived notion of like a sheikh's life, what it's like, or his wife's uh, life is like. But I think at the end of the day, we're all human and we all make mistakes. And I think we haven't really definitely got it down to pat by any means. And we're just learning as we go Uh, as young parents and first time parents as well. I'm sure we'll make plenty of mistakes and learn along the way. Mm. Zainab's our experiment and hopefully (laughs) number two will turn out better. (laughs) Inshallah. Okay and I would just like to say that you know, uh, being in Glasgow, I think we're really blessed to have uh, sheikhs, uh, sheikhs of uh, likes of Sheikh Rizwan, uh, Sheikh Amir, and Sheikh Hassan. And I think uh, people of Glasgow should make use of them and uh, uh, you know get most of the knowledge from okay. them. Inshallah. And that's a very long ten seconds. So Jazakallah from uh, our uh, for everybody here uh, for having uh, the show going. And inshallah, hopefully you can catch up on a podcast for any bits that you've missed. Uh, Welcome, Assalamu alaikum from all. For more information and to listen to more podcasts, visit us at arc.score or check out the Arc Media app.